Good morning and welcome to Federal Way's stream of our Sunday morning gathering. This morning is going to be a little bit different as we're going to be laying out what it means to be part of the Soma Federal Way family at this time in this unique season. I mean, we all know this has been an unbelievably life-changing year. And so while we do this every September and we call one another to commit to being part of this family on this mission of Jesus, the uniqueness of this year requires a little bit more clarification around some specifics on what that looks like. So if you're a guest or you're a friend of ours, uh, all across the uh, state, the region, or even our country and world, I want to invite you just for a moment to place your, put your name and where you're from in the comment box below. We'd love to follow up with you. We'd love to hear your story and ways that we can serve you. And if you're local and you're around our area, we'd love to follow up with you on what it means for you to get connected and being part of our church. But this is going to be a time that really lays out some specifics on what it means for Soma Federal Way to be joining God in his mission of renewing and restoring all things as we make disciples who make disciples. And so as we get going, I invite you to open up your Bible to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15. As we begin the process of calling one another to covenant, one of the questions we get asked often is, what is a covenant? It's not typical language that we use in our culture, but it is a very, very biblical concept. One of the ways you can understand God's work in activity throughout all of human history, and it's particularly through the scriptures, is through the covenants that he makes with his people. Simply stated, a covenant is a commitment between two different parties. In essence, it's like a contract. And in the Bible, the covenants and the commitments that God makes with his people are the foundation which form how we as a group of people commit and covenant to one another. So Genesis 15 is one of those very, very early covenants that God makes that speaks to this moment and it speaks to what we find in Christ. So let me give you some um, foundation of this passage because what we're about to read is going to be very, very different in our cultural moment. The way that they made contracts at the time is they would uh, bring two animals or, or animals depending on the severity of the contract and they would cut them in half and place them on two sides. And then as the people walked through this, it was a very symbolic action. What they were saying is, I'm committing to holding up my end of this contract, my end of this agreement. And if I don't live up to that, I am saying that I'm willing to become like the animals whose blood I'm walking through if I don't live up to this standard. And so the two parties would walk down and they would say, I'm committing to you in this agreement 
and I do not want to become like that, so I'm gonna hold up my end of the agreement. Now, just to be clear, that's not what we're doing as church. We aren't getting animals and not, we're not walking through blood. That's not how we do it. But that was the foundation in which we find um, Abraham speaking to God in Genesis chapter 15. And we find this, uh, in, starting in verse 7, he also said to him, Abraham to God, uh, excuse me, God to Abraham, I am the Lord who brought you from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. Verse 8, but he said, Lord God, how can I know that I will possess it? I mean, in essence, Abraham is saying, how do I know that you're going to hold up your end of the bargain? Verse 9, he said to him, bring me a three-year-old cow and a three-year-old female goat and a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. So he brought all these to him, cut them in half, and laid the pieces on opposite of each other, but did not cut the birds in half. Birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, a deep sleep came over Abram, and suddenly great terror and darkness descended on him. Then the Lord God said to Abram, Know this for certain. Your offspring will be resident aliens for 400 years in a land that does not belong to them and will be enslaved and oppressed. However, I will judge the nation they serve. And afterward, they will go out with many possessions. But you will go to your fathers in a peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, they will return here, for their iniquity of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. Listen to this, verse 17. When the sun had set and it was still dark, a smoking pot and a flaming torch appeared and passed through the divided animals. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying, I give this land to your offspring from the brook of Egypt to the great rivers of the Euphrates. Okay, let me unpack this for a moment. Abram, hey, you said you're going to give me this land. How do I know you're going to live up to it? And what does God do? He causes a deep sleep to go over Abram. So Abraham is not awake. He's passed out. And um, God makes a commitment. He says what he's going to do and what's going to happen. That they're going to be, um, in the CSB, it says resident aliens. Another way of saying that is sojourners. And they're going to be enslaved by the Egyptian people. But he's going to come and rescue them. He's going to redeem them out of that slavery, out of um, the possession of a, a false god and come to possession of a true, the one true God. And then he was going to give them this land to possess again. So this is the covenant that he was making. But the really significant part of this is starting in verse 17, when this symbol of God's presence which is smoke and fire. You see that later in Exodus where he led God's people with a uh, pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Same um, symbol of God's presence here. And only God's presence walked through the middle of the animals. So this is what God is saying in that. God is saying, 
I'm gonna hold up my end of the bargain and I'm going to give you possession of this land. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to restore you. I, and as he says later, I will be your God and you will be my people. But then he also is saying, I'm going to live up to your end of the bargain as well. I'm committing God as saying to be, to do what I say I'm going to do. I'm going to make these things happen. And I'm walking through these cut animals saying, if I don't live up to my end of the bargain, I, my destiny will be like this. But then he's also saying by not forcing Abram to walk through the, this ritual, he's saying, I'm going to not only hold up to my end of the bargain, I'm going to hold up to your end as well. You, because of your sinful nature, are not able to perfectly walk and obey me, God is saying. But because I chose you, because you are my people, because I'm making this covenant commitment with you, I, God, am saying you aren't able to live up to it. I will do it on your behalf. So if you don't live up to it, I will pay the penalty. And here's the amazing reality of this passage ultimately is found in Jesus himself. When we take communion, we are saying that um, and, and remembering Jesus saying, this is a new covenant that I'm giving. That, and in that giving that cup, he's saying, my blood is going to be shed for the forgiveness of your sins. That promise that I made to Abram centuries ago that if you don't live up to your end of the bargain, uh, God will die. Jesus is saying, that's me. Jesus' place on the cross is paying the penalty for you and I and the world that did not live up to our end of the bargain and covenant with God. We rebelled against him. We denied him as the, the giver of life. We we um, went away from him and pursued other things other than pursued the one true God. And Jesus comes and pays the penalty for your and my sin. And so now our covenant with God, our union with God, is not based on my actions or how well I follow the rules. It's solely based on the fact that Jesus on the cross went through the animals for me. He became the Lamb of God. He took away my sins and your sins so that now we can be in covenant community with God himself. It's not based on what I do or what you do. It's based on what he has done. And so when we think of making a covenant, we are making a covenant with one another, but also with a God that made a covenant with us, that made a commitment to us, and followed through on his end and our end. He is the one that pursued us. He is the one that extended his grace to us. He is the one that adopted us into his new family. That's the foundation with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone, it says in the scriptures. That we live out by making a covenant commitment to one another. So if a covenant is that agreement that God himself has made with us and fulfilled in Jesus, the question then is why do we as a church family covenant? Why, do, why does someone federal way 
call that. Now, to say it explicitly, as you go to the New Testament, as you look at the scriptures and how Paul and others would form churches, it's not explicitly stated that every September or the first of the year, you have to make sure that everybody comes together and commits to that. So it's not explicitly stated that, but there are some principles that when you bring to our cultural context, it's very different than what Paul and the apostles were dealing with. That it, it calls us and invites us to covenant with one another. So why do we covenant with one another? The first reality and the first principle is that we are family. As we talked about last week in our Simply Soma series, that we are a family that's been adopted into the family of God by God himself because of Jesus. But it also means that we're brothers and sisters. Now, the funny thing is that we're in a cultural context where church as family is not the norm. So if I want to say we are family with one another, we need to ask the question, well, how do we know that? We we can't just go to a Sunday morning gathering and say, oh, I'm, I'm obviously family because I show up on Sundays. Or it's also not the same to say, oh, you're obviously my family and you're my brother and sister in practice because you're watching this stream on Facebook or you're listening to this at a future date. That doesn't automatically mean and make us in covenant with one another, nor do we expect that. What this process does is... It goes back to the reality that we need to know who we are committing to as we commit to Jesus. The the family of God is both universal and it's local. It's universal in that it's every single person across Christian traditions, across history, across nations that profess the name of Jesus as Lord and Savior, that he's died for their sins and he's forgiven them in his grace. Every single person that that is true of has been adopted into the family of God as part of the big C, or what the Apostles' Creed calls lowercase c, Catholic Church. It means that we're part of universal, is that's what Catholic means. And so, while that is true... There's also a local element to that. Like, that yes, we are adopted in the same family, but at, because we're in such a transient culture, because we are in a more consumeristic society that you can come and be part of something without having to make a level of commitment to, we believe that it's important to really clarify through the covenant process who is part of this church family. Now, does that mean you can't be part of our missional communities if you decide not to sign us? Of course not. We have people from other churches, from all different walks of their faith that are part of our, our missional communities. That mean you can't watch this? No, of course not. If you don't, of course you can watch it if you don't be part, part of this. That's not the level, but there's a level of commitment that being brothers and sisters that I can call on you and you can call on me to not only walk through what I'm about to lay out in a few minutes, but also call one another to the higher calling of following Jesus in all of life. That's 
what this process is for. It's those that are voluntarily committing and agreeing to saying, yes, I want in. I'm part of this. I'm committed to this. I am working towards this together. The second piece is not just because we are family, but this is as elders in Hebrews 13, 17. It says that as an elder, we're going to have to give account to the people that are in submission to our leadership. And so there's an aspect of for the sake of our elder team and for the sake of our church family, we're going to have to give an account to how we discipled, how we led, how we did everything we could. And that's a very, very high calling. And so this is partially so that we as leaders can know who is submitting themselves voluntarily so that we will give an account for those lives. Are there going to be people that are part of our MCs, part of our DNA groups, part of our house-to-house gatherings that may not be part of the church? Yeah. But that and does that mean that they're part of the covenant community? Not necessarily. And that is okay. But we want to know who's committed, who's in, who is bought into it so we can call one another to it and so that we as elders know who we are giving an account to. So if that's what a covenant is, and that's why we're a covenant, let's walk through the actual covenant process or the covenant document that we are going to come together next Sunday and commit to with one another. So this is what the covenant says, is that we joyfully commit to following Jesus as his disciples on his mission with our brothers and sisters in Soma Federal Way. And so this is, a, this is what the commitment looks like. First of all, it's a commitment to the gospel. Like we talked about uh, a few weeks ago, where that's God's, the gospel is the story of Jesus as God's promised rescuer and king lovingly lived the life that I should, we should live, died the death that we deserve and rose again victoriously by the spirit to redeem and restore all of creation, including us. So I believe that. I'm in on that. I, I affirm that. But it also means, like we talked about last week, that we have been given a new identity, a new baptismal identity, so that we are committing to living out our identity as family, where we are children of God as we live as family with one another, that we're servants of the King who serves others as a way of life, and we are missionaries, sent ones, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to make disciples who make disciples. All of this as disciples who worship Jesus, who are being changed by Jesus, and are obeying Jesus. So next, we believe that discipleship, or that empowering, submitting to the empowering lordship of Jesus in every area of life, it demands a gospel-centered community on his mission of making disciples in everyday life. That we live that out. This isn't just a platitude that we can check the box, but the gospel fuels our actions and it leads us to a community on his mission. And we do this in everyday life. We tend to call these the rhythms of life. So we do this as we eat through blessing. We recognize we are a story formed people that the story of God is the narrative in which we live into. We do this by listening, and that's a a gospel activity. We do it by celebrating and recreating, by working and resting 
all of those everyday life rhythms are the way in which we engage and live out our identity in Christ, Christ in our missional community. Next, we believe the Holy Spirit has led us to be part of this church family in federal way, and we depend on His, the Holy Spirit's, leading in all of life. We believe it's the Spirit that unites. It's the Spirit that brings together. There's one baptism, one Lord, one Spirit. And so it's we, we're asking that those that are committed to being covenant members are saying, yeah, it's the Spirit that's calling me to this place. It's not just because I think it's cool or hip or because I like the people. It's the Spirit of God that's doing it. Next, we honor and submit to the elders and leaders appointed to shepherd our family. Hebrews 13, 17, the passage I mentioned earlier, says to submit and obey the leaders and elder authority in your lives. And so there's an dynamic, and the elders of Soma Federal Way are currently myself, Jeff Wall, Justin Kurvakel, Steve Potter, and Chris Thomas, who is in essence an elder in sending as we get him ready to plant Dope Church. And so it's a willingness to honor and submit the, to those leaders as the ones that are um, shepherding amongst the family, have a responsibility to oversee, but are also leading in serv- uh, service. Next, we generously give our time, talent, and treasure to work at, of the gospel through so- the Soma Federal Way family. So we know that commitment requires time that we're leaning in with our time, that we're not just saying, yeah, we're there, but I'm going to spend all my time doing something else, that we're calling one another to commit to putting time into the disciple-making environments we'll talk about in a few minutes. It also means our talents. The word soma is the word body, and we get that throughout a few different parts of the scriptures, but one of the parts of the scriptures in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 talks about the body being up made up of many parts, and it's not just parts like me that are like the vocal part, but it's the internal parts. And every single member of the body of Christ matters. That you have a role to play. That what God has gifted you in is vital to the health of the church. And so when we say we're giving our time and our talents, it's saying that we're giving the things that God has gifted for the sake of our brothers and sisters in Christ in the mission of Jesus. Now that's going to happen in this DNA groups and missional communities primarily, especially in this time. But it's also going to mean as we lead a church of micro-missional communities to do that as well. And lastly, it does mean that we're going to generously give of our treasure. These are financial resources. This is the outworking of God being generous with us and we're being generous to um, the work of Jesus through our local church. Now, we don't talk about this a lot, but the reality is that for our church to function in its current way, there are resources that are needed to free up people's time and to give to the work beyond Soma Federal Way. I mean, the work that we've been able to do is amazing. In Sierra Leone, we've been part of church planting in Romania, in India, We've been uh, partnered with the Soma family of churches to see churches planted and, and leaders developed and built up. This, these resources go to uh, funding and resourcing some of our teams so that our time can be freed up to give to that work. 
And ultimately, giving is not just about the, what comes out of it, but it's also saying, I am not wanting to be dominated by my money, and I'm going to set aside a certain portion of it, led by the Spirit, to the work of God outside of me, and through, although I am a part of that. So you can do that, somafw.org backslash give. That's where you can set it up, or you can do it in Soma Connect, which you'll be hearing about in the next few weeks. Next, we adhere to the Lausanne Covenant and the Soma Family Theological Distinctives. You can find those on our website. You can also find those, um, if you have any questions, you want to see what those are. We, these are. This is our statement of faith and our unique uh, theological distinctives that unite us together with the other Soma Family of Churches we don't have time to dive into those today, but I want to invite you to look at those if you're interested. Um, next, we proactively engage in the disciple-making environments of missional community, DNA, and Sunday gatherings. I'm going to come back to this one because this is going to take the rest of our time. Next, we love and worship Jesus, learning to obey all of Jesus' teaching. That's what it means to be disciples. And last, we value the, uh, the convictions that as the people of God, we must know. These are values and convictions for us in Somewhere Federal Way that we want to live out. The first is that we're gospel-centered. That means that everything goes back to the gospel. We funnel everything through the life, death, resurrection of Jesus. It also means that we're living out our gospel identity. We talked about this a little bit earlier, but we're a family of servant missionaries. We're living these things out, and we want to base all of our life on that. Third, we're spirit dependent. We are led and empowered by the Holy Spirit. We place a very high value on the work and the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said it was good that he went away, and it was good that we were given the Spirit. We've been filled with, baptized by the Spirit to be missionaries and sent. So we need our, and are dependent upon Him to, to fuel us. Next, we're grounded in scriptures. We look to the Word of God as the foundation, source, and guide for all of life. And last, one of the convictions that's unique to us is risk-taking. We have nothing to lose. We have a promised inheritance that's coming, a guaranteed future hope. So can, we can live life boldly following Jesus wherever he leads us and whatever he calls us to do. Even if it doesn't make sense, even if it's a little bit risky, even if there's a chance that it fails, we know that even if the, it does fail, we are not failures because we are in Christ and the kingdom does not fail because Jesus rules and reigns as the victorious, resurrected king. So what does that look like for us this year? This is where the, our disciple-making environments of DNA groups, missional communities, and Sunday gatherings happen. Now, because of COVID, we have to do these things a little bit differently this year. And so we're calling one another to these very things. The first is, let's talk about missional communities. In light of COVID... And a light of uh, people's concerns and rightful concerns of the spread of the virus and the um, way in which we gather has to be different. And so the first thing that we're calling us to is to reshuffle our church into what we're calling micro MCs. 
an, it's still an MC. It's living out your identity in Christ on the mission of Jesus. But we're, we're calling it to be a, a smaller, micro, tighter-knit group of people made up of between two and four-ish families or under 20 people that regard, regardless of the COVID restrictions, you're still able to physically and bodily worship and disciple one another. So you're going to create a rule of life, a way in which you can do that in a wise, um, good, healthy way and still be able to meet together in person throughout the week. That's also going to fuel how we do our Sunday gatherings. Our Sunday gatherings in the next coming weeks, starting this first week of October, is going to be in what we're calling house-to-house gatherings. These are going to be micro-MCs coming together in a home and walking through a digital liturgy in a participatory way. That our team is going to be resourcing you. You're going to have a teaching and a sermon. It's going to be shorter than this. Don't worry. There's going to be times to sing if somebody's gifted in singing that they can lead you in singing. You're going to have a kid's lesson where somebody amongst you is going to lead your kids together through a children's lesson. And then there's going to be time to walk through communion, to experience the historical church and the reciting of creeds or catechisms, the benediction of sending and reciting what the truths of the gospel are for us. And so if you're in a missional community, you are already having those conversations. And I encourage you to do so, encouraging you to be led by the Spirit and how He's going to uh, organize you so that you can live on the mission of Jesus in an embodied physical way this fall. If you are wanting to be part of a MicroMC, please comment below or reach out to Steve Potter or myself and we can get you connected into a micro-missional community. So while we have been meeting in person on Sundays for the last few weeks, we're going to be ending that and we're going to be encouraging you as micro-MCs to get together in homes, sing to the Lord together, join in the way that the church has met from house to house, dating all the way back to the early church in Jerusalem and what's actually happening even now in places of persecution and where the pandemic is forcing it. That we get to be with one another as disciples of Jesus. And this is, as I've laid all this out, this is what it means to be part of Soma Federal Way right now. And so we want to be really clear, like this is a unique time. This is an interesting time. To, but to engage in those micro-MCs, to engage in the mission of Jesus, to live out your identity in Christ with the convictions that we have, that you're sharing your faith, you're being bold with pursuing those that are far from Jesus so that they can come and experience the loving grace of God that we talked about earlier. And that's what we're calling one another to. That's what we're signing next week. And signing is just an expression, a cultural expression, saying, I'm committing to doing it just like I would do commit to when I sign a check at a restaurant or when I pay with something. I commit to paying this. All the signing is doing is saying, I commit to living this out to the best of my ability, empowered by the Spirit of God with my brothers and sisters here amongst Soma Federal Way. And that's what we call you to. If you're not ready for that, that's okay. Hang out with us. Join us in what God is doing. Be part of a micro-missional community. Live, learn to live out your identity in Christ. 
And if you don't yet believe in Jesus, the call to you is the call to what we said earlier, that Jesus died for you in your place for your sin. He paid the penalty for your sin, and he's the only one that can offer a life of satisfaction. He's all the things that you look to to fulfill what you're longing for can only be found in Jesus alone. And the call is to submit to his good, perfect life lived on your behalf. His death died for you and his resurrection victorious over your greatest enemies. This is an amazing time for us as a church. This is a taking a risk. This is thinking outside the box. But our prayer right now is that this will be a time in months and years ahead that we can look back on and say, look at all that God has done. Look how the body of Christ has been activated. Look at the leaders that have been raised. Look at the new people that have come to faith. Look at the new communities that have been sent all across our city and region because of the work the Spirit did through this time. We want to look back and say, man, we're so thankful for the hardship that it was because God did something that we never would have thought. So we invite you to pray that with us, that God would sink our roots deep in him so that our lives would be lived beyond ourselves, and that we invite you to be part of this covenant community in light of what Jesus has done on our behalf, committing to one another and the mission of Jesus with this group of people. Let me pray. Father, thank you for the work that you've done in Jesus. You died for us. You lived perfectly for us. You rose again on our behalf as the first fruits. And God, that is the gracious offer you give to each of us right now, that we can place our faith in you. So I pray, Jesus, for this time, that Spirit, you are the one leading people to faith, that you're drawing and wooing people to the person of Jesus, even right now. But you're also calling us to commit to one another as brothers and sisters in this church. So God, I pray that you bless us. I pray that you lead and empower us and that we can look back on this time in micro-MCs and living out this house-to-house church gatherings, that this will be a time where we see your hand work. We need you to show up. We need your presence. We need your guidance and empowerment. And I pray that we get to look back and see all that you have done through this time. So this has been hard, but we know you are here in our midst. You will never leave us or forsake us, you promised. And so we thank you for all this. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.